you need somebody at a certain point in life who says, okay, I understand what you want to do, but let me help you. And let me give you a few points, what you should do first and what you should do next. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. A few years ago, Rick Sprutt had a good job in a big company, but he wanted more more freedom, more autonomy, more ownership. He wanted his own business. Rick came to me for mentoring and I showed him how to get started with a simple WordPress website, make his first tens of thousands of dollars quickly. And within months, his new business, Cross Trades, was making six figures. Today, it's a seven-figure business. And I think Rick's example is a great one for anyone who has a big idea, wants to create a serious business, but once be able to start in an extremely low risk way while you're still in a job with minimum investment. It's the ultimate example, I think, of think big, start small. We also talk about how the biggest opportunities today are not in big companies, but are in starting your own business. And we talk about how creating an online business enabled Rick to realise a dream to move his whole family to Bangkok, Thailand, which has become a major hotspot for startups. Welcome, Rick. Nice to speak to you. It's been a while since we've spoken, and I want to find out where you've got to with Cross Trades. But why don't we start, first of all, with actually, let's start with where you are. You're actually living in Bangkok now. Is that right? That's true. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the, uh, of course, the advantages of, of uh, going out on your own, that uh, at a certain point in time, you can say, okay, where where do I want to live? Where do I want to settle down? And where can I find the quality of life that somehow works for me? Yeah, well, that's amazing. And so it's, you're currently about seven hours ahead. So we'll talk a bit about Bangkok uh, later, actually, and find out why it's such a it's such a draw for people at the moment. But you've created this business, which is now a really impressive global business called Cross Trades. We we met each other right at the beginning when you did some one to one coaching with me around starting the business. When you started, you were in a job in logistics in a big firm and you were living in Beijing. Do you want to tell us what your situation was like back then and how you made the decision to leave? Yep, of course. Um, yes, as you, as you mentioned, I was living in Beijing and this was, and now I'm talking 2014. Um, and at that moment, I had 20 years of corporate life with that same company. Um, and um, yeah, you start to feel that maybe you have evolved as a person and also the company has changed and you're not that compatible anymore uh, at a certain point in time. Also, there was, of course, the mobility clause. I was um, for the same company in six different countries. There was a lot of movement involved. Uh, when you're young and you don't have children, this is, uh, this is easy going, but when you have kids, it's not always that easy. Uh, at the same time, I was getting more and more convinced that the glory days of, of, uh, of those big, powerful corporations were slowly coming to an end and that there was definitely um, value for small businesses and that small business can 
can make a difference in, in so many ways. And this was very attra uh, attractive to me. Um, and actually, this, this was because of uh, reading Screw Work, Let's Play. I, I remember I read that book in 2013, um, where, yeah, you actually talk about that. Let's start, let's start to play. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily leaving your, leaving your job uh, at that moment, but getting your brain into action and, and getting to think what I, what I could do in the future. And this was for me very attractive. And I remember one of the things in the book said, you have to think big and then you start small. And that's so important that you, um, that you take action. Um, and so when I left, uh, when I left that company, uh, about three months later, I was in action. I was making small steps, small steps. Um, and, and as you, again, as we talked when you were doing the mentoring um, with me, you don't have to have everything figured out. You can just get going and, and take it step by step. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't need to have a detailed plan all written out with all the steps already uh, clearly taken because that's in, in any case, that's not how it goes. Yeah, no, that's right. And it's, it's interesting to note that uh, I, I kind of warn people, I suppose, thinking about Eng uh, English speaking audience, um, that the, there are people in all sorts of other countries all around the world who are just as smart as you are, who are now as well educated as you are, who can take your job. And, you know, you better get smart. And the best way to avoid that is for you to get a grip of your own career and to, to start something that only only you can run that's not, you know, the same as everybody else. And then the interesting thing is they took that book and they translated it into Thai. So you can get it in Thai now. And we translated it into Korean and Russian and one of the Indian languages. And all the, so it's being read in all the countries. I was warning people about, which is, which is, you know, not as a kind of, uh, um, not in any way xenophobic thing, but for people to wake up in the West who re thought that everything was going to be fine. And you've really seen that from, uh, from the inside because you spent a lot of time in Africa. Oh, you're originally from Belgium, right? Aren't you? Yeah. But yeah, I'm a Belgian. Yeah. Cause people wondering where your accent is from. And then you, you spent a lot of time in Africa apparently this is something you have to do because the people here an accent don't recognize immediately they kind of their brain starts working out like where you're from rather than listen to what you're saying so um and then you spent quite a lot of time in logistics in africa and then you ended up in china for this big company i do have to ask one question first which is for people who have no idea what logistics means what does that actually mean <laughs> yeah no, it's clear. Well, logistics is very broad, of course, but let's let's put it very simple. It's moving goods, physical goods, from any point A in the world to any point B in the world. I think that's the easiest way to say it. And this can be by truck, by train, by plane, by ship, um, or a combination of all these uh, different modes of transport. Yeah, and international trade completely relies on this. So, you know, while everyone talks about the growth of international trade and, and trading between countries and trade deals and all this. no one thinks about the fact that somebody actually has to get that stuff to somewhere and often yeah. in a country has completely different laws and completely different regulations and culture and and politics and whatever else so and yeah. when you want so you're right do you want to explain first of all what that initial idea for cross trades was yeah so coming from uh, from a big company that was actually doing uh, transport all over the world but with a big focus on africa I saw that um, although they had a full coverage of Africa, 
the quality of the service really depended on 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 the team in that particular country, meaning um, the management and and uh, and, the, and the staff. How how would they uh, how do they perform? How do they see their customers? How do they uh, listen to their customers. Um, so the quality can be quite up and down in these big corporations. And my idea was, if I would now take the same concept of having um, an office in each country, but with a smaller local player that knows um, his market very well, and we call them in, uh, in our uh, community, we call them our local heroes. So if we do this with people who are so strong in their country or a small region, and we bring them together in one network. This then creates a product which is actually equal or even better than 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 what any big corporation can offer. Yeah, that that is so interesting because you know we there was this trend for a while of people who read the E Myth and and people who were interested in scale and in quality control that you could keep making more money by sort of treating human beings just like an exchangeable cog. And so you just train everybody, and as long as you have the right processes and the right manuals and so on, then everything will just work. But in actual fact, the world doesn't work like that. If you have one good person in a company, they can change the fortunes. You know, if they actually care and they give a crap and they and they uh, are willing to, you know, they care about the customer, that can turn around the fortunes of, it just changes your experience entirely. So like you're saying, you get one yep. good person in each location that you know and you know he's going to do a good job and is ethical, then that makes a, a network that's far more powerful. So cross trade, how do you describe it initially? It was um, it was a, a kind of a, it was a, a network for people in international logistics. Is that a dis- fair description, or maybe you you should describe it? Well, how we always dis- describe this was it was uh, a trusted or is still actually today, um, but it's changing also a little bit. So I'll I'll get back to that later on. Um, but initially, we were calling it the trusted network that connects uh, Africa with the rest of the world. Right. And so, um, and initially, your idea was charge a membership fee. And if you, I think we had an original target of like, can you get 50 people, you know, to pay a membership fee of, of a, a few thousand dollars, whatever it was back then. And uh, that would show that this thing is going to work. And you managed to do that quite quickly, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah, well, um, this comes back to what we were saying first: is, is to take action. And where where do you start? Because um, when you call the first person, then you ask them to join the network, and the first question they will ask is, "Well, how many are you?" And you'll have to say, "Well, you're you're going to be the first one." It's a very hard sell, uh, right? This is, this so is the network with- effect, right? So the, the it's like, how do you sell the first fax machine to somebody? Because it's not very useful. Exactly. Uh, but the when you at the opposite end of the scale, you get to Facebook, and when everybody you know is on Facebook, and they invite you to parties where the invite is on Facebook, and they put their holiday photos on Facebook. If you're not on it, then you start to feel like a muppet, so you know an idiot. So, um, so but at the beginning is really tough because how do you get people interested? So, how did you fix that problem? So I just, I just, uh, I kept it really within my circle of trust and the people who uh, who knew me. Uh, in the industry for a very long time. And the people that I contacted first, I knew that they had um, several offices in, uh, in, in, in particular regions. So I, if I could convince them to become a member, I could say, I've got 
I could say either I've got three members or I could say I've got 14 because all their offices combined was 14 offices. And I was calling at that time, I was calling the offices members. So when I called then the next guy, the fourth guy, I could say, I've got 14 members already. You will be 15. Yeah. So it became much more credible at that point. And, uh, and yeah, fairly quickly we had, uh, we had 23 people who signed up. So that was, uh, that was very nice. Um, we kept it. Actually, and then we kept it in the first year, we kept it rather small um, until we um, organized our first conference in uh, in Johannesburg in yeah. April 2016. So that, that was, um, a, that was interesting as well. That, that's worth a mention. But um, the but the interesting thing is that I, those original people, because I'm always saying, I was saying to you, as I say to all clients when we were working together, you know, how can we just get this going straight away and prove it's going to work without you know, with the most elaborate website in the world and without anything else. And those early people bought because they were buying into Rick because they like Rick yeah. and they go, we'll give Rick a few thousand dollars, whatever it was. And, and it'll be worth it. Cause we, and, and um, often what you can do is you can make up for that network effect and that, you know, all the automation systems that you're now developing, you can actually make up for it by just being Rick in the middle saying, Hey, look, I know who you should speak to in, in uh, DRC or whatever country it might be. And, and uh, I'll put you in touch with them because now you've paid your membership. I'm happy to do that. And then when you did your first conference, that was smart because you kind of tacked it on the end of an international logistics conference of some sort. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. In, uh, in South Africa. Uh, yeah. Indeed. So these people were flying in uh, anyway to uh, to attend that uh, international conference. And um, I invited them for a two days, small event uh, where we brainstormed and we, we discussed. And it was really, um, and when I think back of, of that period, it was, it was very, very nice. It was very intimate. There were only 23 people in the room and we were setting out in those two days actually the future of the network and what has happened over the past, over the past four years. And, and that's, that's still what thinking, thinking about that uh, event, it, it really gives me a very good feeling. And during that same event, I had two people coming to me saying, listen, we really, we really believe your story and really, really believe in the product and what you're trying to do. So actually we don't want to be a member just a member. We want to be. Uh, we want to be much more than that. And to the extent we want to be a, a shareholder. So then these people became in 2016 became shareholder of uh, of the company, and which then allowed me to, to grow much faster because now I was I had a I had a serious backbone. I had uh, people backing me up financially, uh, not only financially but also in marketing, in legal, and so this this really. This really boosted the network. Uh, and this was say. not not that long after you first started, right? How long was it? This is a year, one year, not even a year. Yeah. And part of the idea behind the network was that you, because there were other professional networks out there at the time for logistics. So for everybody who goes into any market now, there's going to be competitors. If there aren't, you should probably be worried. And so you have to differentiate yourself in some way. And you did that really yeah. by saying you've got this focus on Africa specifically, that you have this knowledge of Africa. And, and was that what, what really marked you out? Yeah, absolutely. And, and still, still today, I, I should say, uh, although now it's really become a worldwide network, 
Um, but I was talking to somebody earlier uh, on the phone today. And when you speak to people um, who know Africa well, um, and they understand through talking to them that you also understand it very well, it's, it's, really, it's a really very special bond. And they believe in you. They believe in your product um, and they believe in what you have to offer. And they are much more willing um, to put their, themselves behind uh, the idea than if you just would say, okay, you're one of my thousand members and you know, you're just in the directory to be in a directory. Um, so we're, we're doing it from a slightly different approach saying we, we want this to be strong. We want only to accept people who know uh, Africa very well, and you can make our network stronger. Uh, and I think this is the real value of uh, of the network today. Yeah, and and what's what's clever also is it because because you know China, you speak you speak um, Mandarin or something. Do you? Have you did you learn that while you were out there? I I just know enough words to say you're a good drinker and uh, cheers and bottoms up. <laughs> okay, that will that will get you by. So you know <laughs> you didn't quite learn the Chinese languages, but. Um, but you, but you knew China as well. And what's interesting is you managed to start this network at the point where this trade between China and Africa is just insane, if people don't know this. Um, what is the level of trade between China as a country and Africa as a continent now? It's, is it, it's many billions, isn't it? It's many billions. I, I, really, I, I would be wrong if I pick a number now, straight ahead. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, when I came to Africa, uh, to, to China, sorry, um, after my seven years in Africa, I moved to, to China in 2010. And this was just the moment that the Chinese government had, uh, had launched the Go Africa policy um, and was uh, really pushing state-owned enterprises to, uh, to go into Africa, to invest into Africa and to, uh, to see what kind of projects they could be involved in. Um, so this was, uh, this was an amazing time for me. Uh, because these very difficult to approach and, and very close state-owned enterprises were so eager to hear about Africa, doing business in Africa, that all the doors went open for us when, when I just arrived in, uh, in, in Beijing. And yeah, this, this gave me a, an extremely uh, good uh, experience, um, getting to know the... Uh, the China-Africa development uh, from, from very close by um, and to see what, what would be the strategy of, uh, of China uh, in Africa in the future. And, and it is remarkable now because th- this is now part of the, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, which uh, China, I just looked this up yesterday before knowing we were going to be speaking. China is investing $760 billion in making connections across the world with other countries, particularly uh, Africa is a large part of that. And is, yeah. do you think yeah. you've benefited from that as well? Um, we probably did, although maybe at that time it wasn't that clear to us. Um, there was not, that people were not speaking that much about Belt and Road Initiative in 2010 yet. It came a few years later, but we definitely did because we were doing a lot of, um, uh, a lot of transport for the pipeline constructions uh, in uh, in Africa for the Chinese. Um, and of course, it's, it's, it's all about infrastructure. It's all about building uh, railway connections, road connections, which today are inexistent. Um, of course, port, port development is, uh, is important. 
So this is this is then the uh, the, the the maritime Silk Road part of the uh, of the Belt and Road Initiative, and for Africa, that is the east coast of Africa that is mainly involved. Yeah. So it's so the idea is to kind of, I mean, what impressed me about China. Uh, oh, Obviously, there are some quite worrying things about the country as well. But what impressed me about China is that um, is that it thinks so long term and it thinks at such big scale. And I wish that my own country was doing that rather than being involved in squabbling and infighting around the topic of Brexit at the moment. Yeah. So you know that kind of, they're thinking ten, twenty, thirty years out of of what's going. You know why they should be investing in Africa and making connections. And the maritime Silk Road is the idea of let's reinvent the Silk Road, which is originally the um, uh, you know the trading routes by ship, and actually you know make those even stronger in modern terms. And so, yeah. what the great thing is that you occasionally I talk to people and they want to go into a line of work where I was talking to someone the other day who wants to go into translating, and the problem with going into translating as a pure um, skill in itself as a sort of trade, like I'll translate your documents, is that it's on a, well, it's already been commoditized. So it's one of those things where there's lots of competition and you just compete on price. And then the second thing is it's going to end at some point because AI will be good enough to do it. So it's kind of the opposite of what you did. You entered an industry where it was just uh, an area uh, of trade that was just taking off. And if you can choose a business where, Things are, are just about to do that rather than things are actually doing that. It's worth a bit of thought before you go into it because it makes a big difference. Yeah. And so what yeah. is cross trades now? Because you're doing, you're doing other things. It's, it's more than just a, um, a network now, a, a membership network, isn't it? Yeah. Um, again, for the same reason uh, why we started with the focus on Africa. We, we, we've since 2000, end of 2017, we started developing a digital freight forwarding platform because although we're doing what many other people are doing and a network is, is definitely not uh, not something new, this existed already long before we started Crosstrades and uh, there are so many at this moment. You need to, you need to stand out in a way. Um, of course, we have our Africa part, but also there we're not alone anymore. Uh, so we said we need to find a way that one, we keep our members engaged um, within our own community. And two, we need to give them the opportunity to start exploring um, the future of our industry by giving them the tools to do so. Uh, but I wanted to have this um, made in a way that it can be taken with little steps uh, because our, our industry is a very old fashioned industry. People, um, sometimes still work with very old fashioned uh, ways of working. So we didn't want to completely, <laughs> uh, you know, set them off with, with things that were too far fetched. So we've developed a, a platform where they can really take it step by step, no matter how far you want to take it. Um, but today on our own platform, you can find rates uh, from all the carriers in the world and when you like a rate, you can click through, you see all the schedules for the next vessel departing from that particular port. So there is a very big time um, one by just going into the platform instead of calling all these carriers one by one by phone 
and then looking up the schedules on their separate websites. We have it all in one, in one, uh, in one platform. Um, so this is, this is a very important development. That's really interesting because where there are those uh, industries with lots of inefficiencies, basically there's a lot of uh, people um, just phoning up and sort of <laughs> knowing, okay, well, I know roughly what the times are for ships that leave Beijing or whatever it is and going to you know some country or other, uh, going to Kenya or whatever it might yeah. be. Um, and I know roughly what the cost is. You know, if that person leaves, you've got to kind of find all that information again. And if you find a place that's got lots of an industry that's got lots of inefficiencies, then you you really can um, do well. I wonder if that would be something that would be worth talking to Y Combinator about or one of those accelerators and saying, you know, is should this be, you know, does this would there be a benefit from getting treating it more like a startup or something and seeing how yeah. far it can scale. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, this, one, this is one part. The, the rates is one part. Making the online quotations with each other is, is another one. You, as a member, you can publish your own rates, which now means that once you have published your rates and I have published my rates, and we already have the C-freight rates in the system, we can make a quotation for our customers in less than a minute. Right, yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, like, so that's what, yeah, never would have happened in the past. Of course not. And, and we know that in our industry, um, 70% of the times, the business will go to the, to the person who, who makes the first quotation or the fast. <laughs> really? So that's a big advantage. Uh, and that's one part. The second part is the visibility of where is my cargo. Uh, and this is, uh, this is probably the most time-consuming thing that you have to keep your customer informed of where their cargo is. And it is so difficult to find that right information. And also there we have through our platform, find a solution. It's our visibility tool um, where we can have full visibility on where is the shipment. When the, um, there's a deviation of the normal transit time, you will not only be um, able to inform your customer of the delay, but if the delay really becomes too big, uh, the system will also give you solutions how you can still try to catch up lost time and make the delivery on time. This is amazing. So this is the kind of stuff that when UPS gave it for, you know, uh, small deliveries for individuals and businesses, you know, those kind of delivery companies, it was a breakthrough. It's like an Amazon, you can say, you know, I can ask my um, Alexa device, like, where's my stuff? And it will actually tell me where it is. I hope that hasn't actually triggered it. Yeah. And, and so you can, you're actually doing that for it. It's actually telling me where my stuff is now. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you you know you'll be. I was just thinking you could add this on for yours. You, you could say like you know where's my latest shipment, and so it can actually tell you where the tanker is uh, or where the giant ship is somewhere in the Bering Straits. So yeah, so so this is very cool. And and so now to give an idea of the scale of the company, it's. It's, uh, it's now this thing that started with an idea when you were still in your job and, you know, you had 20 customers and we sat together uh, in a bunch of meetings and thought, how do we do this without spending money or, or, or wasting time? And now it's a seven-figure business. And you've got how many people involved? Yeah. You've got a team of five? Yeah, we have a team of five today. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, a seven-figure business in 2019, four, year, four years after we started the business. And, and this is... I mean, we can only be proud of this uh, of this development because uh, in such a short time, um, 
having such a result and having such a, a big support group, because I, I, I don't only see my members as customers, I, I, I think of them as, uh, as a community, as a support group, and people who are uh, like-minded and thinking in the same direction for the future. And I think that is, that is so important that we all want, um, uh, first of all, these are smaller freight forwards. They all want to survive in the new, um, in the new digitalized or whatever buzzword we want to put um, future um, and who all want to fight for that. And I think this is the real difference and the real value of, uh, of a network with local heroes. Yeah, no, that's great. And and so, you know, a lot of people say it's all about our people, but you really mean it. So you built it from the beginning, from your first 20 customers, right to now. It's all about the individual people involved and people who have, you know, do a good job and you can trust and who have got everybody's yeah. uh, best intentions in mind as well. And, and uh, sorry, uh, John, to, to, to maybe just a little bit more on the... Uh on the valuation of the company, uh, okay, we know that today it's a seven-figure business, but uh, what is interesting is that with um, the fact that we've been adding this, uh, the digital platform and the fact that we can make uh, much faster quotations, we're, we're not seeing ourselves as a, as a network anymore, but more of rather a marketplace. And, and you know, there's much more technology involved and, and are we now becoming more and more a tech company or not? So there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening which could have a, a serious impact in the future yeah and and no no that's that's where my, my mind was going it was like why combinator love this stuff because they've they do this in all sorts of industries why combinator the the startup accelerator founded by paul graham and, yep. and his wife and um uh it, yeah they, they would be really interested because they've done this with multiple different industries of taking out the inefficiencies and 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 but what i love is that you you know, even if you want a seven-figure company that might become a, um, you know, a tech, a tech, a high-growth tech startup, you can start with this little idea with like calling people and getting a commitment from them of a few thousand dollars and prove the idea. I mean, you can evolve it along the way, and as long as you, you know, you put in the work and you you have the right intention and the right mission behind the thing, and that can actually grow. So this is why I, I thought it was so interesting to talk to you because. For some people, logistics is not the, the sexiest topic in the world. But for me, your story actually has, you know, the elements of every kind of successful business you would want, starting from zero, starting from an idea and growing it to wherever you want to be. And as you say, it's allowed you to, yeah. it's allowed you to, to create the life you want. And, and so, and you, you ended up moving to Bangkok. Is it so what? Uh, some people's impression of Bangkok is just crazy traffic and sort of, you know, um, uh, some dodgy tourists. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. but but yeah. you you were telling me the other day that it's like a really hot place to be. So why did you choose? Because you could have moved anywhere. Well, first of all, why did you move out of China, and why did you choose yeah. Bangkok? I have to say, I left um, Belgium in January two thousand and three. It was just my wife and me. We had no kids at that time, and uh, as I mentioned, that we spent. Uh, from 2003 to 2010, we were in Africa. When we were living in Africa, we were coming uh, many times to, to Thailand. And uh, my wife always said when she came here, wow, this is, this is for me a very comfortable environment. Uh, I feel good here. I would like to live here one day. Right. But okay, you, you, you think, wow, this is, we're living in Africa and that's, that's it. Um, why move out of Beijing? Uh, six years in Beijing, 
um, who are incredibly good uh, as an experience, uh, professionally really nice, even personal life, very good. Um, the only thing, it's a harsh place to live. It has a, a, an extremely bad pollution and, uh, and, and very, very harsh long winters. Uh, so if you have uh, a, a cold winter day with an extremely bad pollution, that's not the place you want to raise your kids. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we wanted to stay in the region, though, because. But you chose uh, Asia, to. You, wait a minute, uh, though. You moved to Bangkok for for air quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that's the funny part because now the past six months we've also been struggling here with air quality, so we're a bit like, hmm, what's happening? Yeah. So, so you want to stay in Asia? Sorry, I interrupted you earlier. Why did you want to stay in Asia? Yeah, because I mean, there's, there's so much happening here. It's so vibrant. You, you really feel uh, that things are moving. I believe. Currently in Europe, um, we're all working very hard to to remain somehow status quo um, or grow just a little bit. While here in in uh, in, in Asia and Southeast Asia, that uh, it's it's uh, it's really happening. Um, there's good vibe. Uh, you feel the business, and that that's a, this has always been important for me uh, throughout my career. That that you feel that something is happening, and it, it at the same time it also pushes you forward to do more and to work harder. And because I mean, it's not just choosing a place where you want to live. You, you know, there's a lot of work to do, of course. Um, but why did we come here? It's, uh, we, we, the whole family likes the climate. Um, the, the people are nice, the food is great. It's a shopping paradise, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think also it's, it still gives my people, uh, my people, my, my children, uh, because I've got two boys in the meantime, 14 and 11. Um, it still gives them the exposure to to being in this international environment. And um, uh, contrary contrary to me, who only speaks a few words of Chinese, they are uh, actually fluent in Chinese now, um, which uh, which will probably help them a lot in, uh, in in the future as well. And coming back to something you said in the beginning of our conversation, John. Um, we really need to uh, we really need to position ourselves in in this uh, ever changing world. Um, we have actually, as a Belgian, somehow we always had to do this. Become coming from a very small country, you need to speak your languages. You need to you need to find your way uh, in the world. Um, but I think it's more valid e- uh, even today. Uh, with the Chinese coming full force, with uh, an African continent really developing fast, with very clever people, uh, India, not to forget. So we need to be able to to, to position ourselves in, uh, in in what's happening, and, and you can only do that by speaking your languages and, and understanding the people um, that are around you. Yeah, no, that, that's true. So, <laughs> are you learning Thai now? <laughs> Rick, no. <Nope. laughs> For me, I would just stick to uh, to my. Well, no, I I'm, I speak French, English, and uh, yeah, I know. And Dutch, I was going to say I think that's that's right. for me. That's, that's yeah, about it. I know. I was going to say. I bet you already speak three languages, don't you? So that you know, I I yeah, I speak a few words of Japanese and a few words of French, and that's about it. Well, I think that's fantastic. So I'll I'll come over to to Bangkok at some point because everyone's raving about it. And you said you had a friend who came to Bangkok, started a startup and said it's the place to be. Uh, so th- th- yeah. there, there are people, there's a tech scene as well in, in Bangkok, is there? Very active uh, tech scene. I mean, there's 
There's the co-working spaces, uh, very, very trendy co-working spaces all over the place. And th this is nice. I mean, you meet so many people who have great ideas, who are turning their ideas into, uh, into real plants and, uh, and, and real businesses. Um, so it's good to be part of that. Um, but yeah, it, John, I, I need to tell you, I mean, that period now, the past five years, wouldn't have been possible if we wouldn't have met. And this is I mean, something I think about a lot. Um, and I wasn't sure I, I was going to say this. You can cut it out if you want uh, out, of this, uh, out of this recording. Um, but you need somebody at a certain point in life who says, okay, I understand what you want to do, but let me help you. And let me, let me give you a few points what, what you should do first and what you should do next. And this is how you're going to do it. And if you don't have this kind of person helping you, call it a mentor, call it, call it whatever you want, um, it is extremely difficult. And I, I, I really want to sincerely thank you because for me, this was you who uh, ignited all this. And um, when it started, when we first talked, I had no idea where, where I would end. Still, even today, I don't know, but it's moving in the right direction. Well, I, well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And I really, you know, I really enjoyed uh, uh, our time working on this. And it's been so impressive to see where you've taken it. And I think, you know, right through, it's got Rick right the way through this business. So it's um, in that your personality and that you you care about people is actually what, what makes it work. And it's easy, too easy to forget that in the world of clever marketing or tech strategies or, or whatever it might be you know, you choose the right people um, uh, all the time to do things and, and to be involved in your business. And it's been brilliant to, to see what you've done. So I'll definitely come and see you in in Bangkok. And if people want to find out about Cross Trades... So, I would like to do this recording in a much nicer setting than this dark room with the light on me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know we should be doing this. You so know. I would like to redo this, John, if you don't mind, in a, in a, in a nicer setting than this. Well, when I come over, maybe it'll be, it might be, uh, maybe I'll come over for January, February to escape the winter. And, uh, and by then you'll probably have even more to report. So we'll do a little update somewhere in some exotic location. And uh, if people want to yep. find out about Cross Trades, um, it's crosstrades.net. Is that right? Uh, well, it's just changed uh, because we have, um, we have merged with another network, um, Ocean Bridge Line. So it's now crosstradesobl.com. Okay, crosstradesobl.com. Right. Okay. It, it, it changes every time I talk to you. You know, the, uh, the, the progress and what the company is and, you know, mergers and investments. Yeah. It's really exciting. So, great. Thank you, yeah. Rick. I really appreciate that. It's been great to hear it, where you've got to with it. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. Podcast.